0: Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Ski Instructor Podcast. My name is Dave Burroughs. I'm the director owner of, and owner of Snowpro Ski School based here in the Swiss Port du Soleil. Um, you join us at a very, very strange time for the European ski season. Um, all of the lifts here uh, in this part of Switzerland closed on uh, March the 14th, um, about halfway through what would have been a fairly average season but given the weather that we've just had this week just gone would have been uh, would have been a really really nice week for uh, for skiing that's for sure um and uh, and the same applies pretty much all, all the way across europe i don't think there are any uh, ski areas left open i, I saw something on um, facebook the other day that maybe there was one or two in sweden and finland but but um for any reasonably accessible skiing um it's all closed and uh that in itself has caused chaos within uh, within our industry. Um, I myself run uh, obviously a ski school and a, a, another business which sort of looks a bit like a, a tour operator, and, and it's absolute um, absolute chaos. Last minute um, last minute cancellations, refunds, all sorts of things to unwind, and of course the impact on my ski instructors who've all uh, been sent home or had to go home and and seek. Sort of alternative work, um, and there's no real, no real at the moment. There's no real end in sight to this, so um, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how these things play out over, over, over the summer and uh, and what next winter is going to look like. Um, I think you're probably by now sick to death of uh, of everyone hearing about um, about coronavirus and, and its various implications and people telling you what to do or what not to do, but. Uh, um, that's certainly my experience anyway and we're far from from the total lockdown that they've got um, over on the, the the French and the Italian side where you, you literally need to fill out bits of paper to move around, um, we're still a little bit freer than that here in Switzerland but uh, I think it's coming um, So uh, I present to you, to, to give you a bit of a skiing fix but uh, you know, uh, not much in these weird times I present to you Malcolm Erskine uh, from the British Ski Academy and I managed to catch up with him um, to talk to him about what uh, what he does there um we talked a little bit about his skiing background how the british ski academy works and and uh, and how they how they operate so um that's going to be the first half of this and then uh, I'll, uh, I'll be back at the midpoint just to uh, just to let you know what's coming in the second half so enjoy this uh, wherever you are and uh, i'll speak to you soon Welcome to the Ski Podcast, uh, Malcolm Erskine from the British Ski Academy, how are you?
1: Hanging in there Dave, it's, uh, <laughs> it's crazy times for everyone,
0: right? It's a very strange time isn't it, so uh, let, let, let's get this out of the way first, so you were in the epicentre of coronavirus <laughs> in Europe uh, until not that long yeah. ago, so you're, the British Ski yeah. Academy is based in Pilar now, um, Pilar in Italy, and yeah. when did you manage to, to escape
1: well, it was an escape in a way. We were training um, that the, the, the weekend, um, and we had school on Sunday. Most of the kids had school on Sunday, and it was was it Sunday the fifteenth? No, hang on, I'm going back. I've lost track. Well, <laughs> Sunday the eighth. Yeah, I'm having. Uh, where to are be... we now? It's been a crazy week. So to... on the Sunday, um, just towards that, uh, Just over ten days ago, we had um, the the notification from the guy at the um, one of the joint owners of the hotel, who's a former World Cup skier and um, and, and trains the local club. And he said that he's just heard that the lifts might be shutting. This is about two p.m. Right. on the Sunday, and one of our coaches uh, made a very good point: guys, we better get the kit because if we have to relocate. So the coaches all went up to get the all the gates down from the hill. Yeah. we don't actually. You say we train in Pila. We we actually live down um, on the outskirts of Aosta in, okay. a, in a village called Sar. We took over a hotel there. It's um the hotel panoramic. It's a lovely view. It's just above above the um. Above the town yeah so in the way we were self isolating anyway and the Oster region had had far fewer cases in London at mm. the time that we left mm. but they they were getting the, the problem for them and um is very easy to access from the big town so people were coming up from Lombardy they were escaping and coming up to the big car park there at the bottom of um, of the, the gondola from Oster to Pila and they were just heading up yeah. with their germs yes. possibly yes uh, so they, that's why I think they, they, had to, they had to close, and obviously, obviously it, was, it, was, it was clear that it was escalating pretty fast in Italy. Mm. But um, we we, had, so we got the information that was going to close, or it could be closing, got all the gates down, confirmed at five o'clock that it was all closing. So then we were starting to make plans of where we're going to relocate. Uh, the next day, um, the coaches took the kids um, cross-country skiing. That's something to do. Okay. And... Meanwhile, I and some others went across to France and hired a big van and looked at, uh, found an alternative for training um, mm-hmm. in the Saint Gervais region and Comble, training at Comble, in fact. Okay. Thanks to Simon Butler for the reference there, but also the, the head guy there is an old pal of one of our coaches, Alan Baxter. So it was, okay. uh, it was some good good links for, for getting some training. Yeah. Got back that evening, always planning to sleep on the Tuesday, and I, I told the guys to start getting ready. But at 10 p.m., we heard the borders might be closing now we at that point right meeting staff staff meeting in the lobby right now and we're just trying to find out the information we decided to get all the kids ready woke them up got out of bed got more packed and then about quarter past 11 something like that we we heard from uh, one of our contacts that the that the the Mont Blanc tunnel was going to be closed uh, from midnight now I'm not sure exactly how it all went but I sent two, two of the vans that were ready. That was the uh, fifth team. That's with head coach Alan Baxter. Yeah. He went like the, like, you know, you can <laughs> imagine. He just shot out. <laughs> they made it to the tunnel at three minutes to 12. And Alan reckons that they shut it behind him because on the other side, it was everything was shut, no closed, way. no entry. Okay. And they, they got down to a place there. I had 23 of the pre That's the younger children. Yeah. And the rest of the team taking longer to get ready. We left about half past 12, went through to, it seemed a better bed, easier to get out. Through the much quieter um, exit was the grandson Bernard. Yes, and uh, with one of our families in Vila, very kindly put up the girls. We found a hotel. You know, work, work, work up this old lady to get everyone else in, <laughs> uh, and it just meant that. I because mean, just thinking, look, if we're going to leave, what what do we do? Leave at five in the morning um, mm. to try and make sure we get through. And then find, what are you going to do? You've got, you've got vans full of kids at 6 o'clock in the morning in France. You know, you can't check in yet. Yes. So, we, so we got out, and it meant everyone was able to have a lie-in and a good breakfast and kind of reassess. And we got most of the kit out that we needed out, um, you know, with uh, hugs, and, hugs and farewells to the very nice people around the hotel. Oh. But uh, we did a moon, moonlit flip, and out we went. But hard, in the end, it obviously, it was getting nasty everywhere. We got a bit of training in Conblue, but the snow was getting soft, and we were hearing we were hearing reports that, that lots of things were going to start closing down in France and elsewhere, Austria, Switzerland. So we bailed out and got everyone home by um, last weekend.
0: Wow. Okay. What a story. That will go down in like uh, British <laughs> academy folklore,
1: right? Well, we're, we're, you've got to be mobile. And yeah. uh, we were just about mobile. I and mean, the main thing is not to get stuck. That would have been a real pain in the neck for everyone
2: yes I don't
1: know what would have, I don't know I mean I've got friends there now who are, to even to travel I've got a buddy who's in Gressan, and just for him to go around to a hotel and check a few things inside I have to get permission from the police yes, I mean, it, yes. total lockdown everywhere it's it's uh, so it's very tough for those guys right now and we're the, we had lots of happy parents um, who we were a bit dismayed at first this was all happening but we're very happy to get their children back
0: well, especially especially now right that looks like a, an incredibly good decision um, but yes. uh, it's funny yeah so was telling you earlier that we're, I'm based near Champery and um, just over the border the border is not very far away um, over to chatel and uh, I know a lot of people over there and and it is it is like you say you know people are having to fill in a form to go outside and exercise yes. or Go to the shops, or you know, go to the doctors, or something like that. You have to actually take yeah. a form with you and fill it out. It's extraordinary yeah. times we're living in right now.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens next day. Eh? Yeah. Keep, keep, I thought I, I for me the the lesson one lessons learned is keep your vans full. Don't don't let you don't let it go under half a tank. Yeah. <laughs> keep everything full. Know where your passport is and get well, ready. <laughs>
0: I think this is this is you 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 uh, outing yourself as a prepper. This is it's yeah. going down. Okay. Yeah. Um I tell you what, let's let's sort of go back to the start. So how did you how did you end up I've done a a brief bit of research, but I deliberately don't do a great deal of research because I think it makes the conversation better when we have it. But what um, how did you end up being the, the, the big boss man of the British British Ski Academy? And uh what, what was your story mm-hmm. that sort of led you there?
1: Okay, so I was a many race, I was really good. Um I got to top 200 in the world and um, down the rankings which is good for a Brit but um, I mean you know I, I look back at my career and I I, um, I, think a lot of coaches get into it because they sort of they didn't they, they feel there's unfinished business mm-hmm. so they, they you know you want to improve yourself on the coaching if you didn't quite make it as, a, as an athlete and uh, yeah I've got an object list and where to go wrong in my own career but I, I had what I had from an early age my dad identified I think I was about 10 and we were skiing in the resort. We always, we was, you know, I think I was I was made in this resort, Lenk in the Bernese Oberland. Okay. And there's this flat bit and there's this steep bit, right? And you're a little kid, you're always trying to keep up with your big brother and your dad. Mm. So always chasing after them. And um, I'd I'd fall behind on the flats and then catch up on the steeps, so I'd just go straight. Yeah. So I was uh, I obviously had something I could stay centered, bouncing and flipping over skipping over moguls and I think I, he, he says it that I was six foot in the air shouting come on granddad <laughs> age about nine or ten he said okay well maybe these kids are stupid enough to be a racer and an uh, investigator I ended up with the Kandahar ski club okay. and then other ski clubs and uh, we've got uh, a lot of school time training holiday tra- sorry excuse me not um school holiday time training right yeah and uh I made it through sort of just on the national team just off it just on it and uh, when i when I finished, I had some some nearly jobs, but I fell into coaching. I was coaching my local slope and a few things happened that uh, led me to um, I got more interested in, in coaching around other places. Mm. and then a few things happened that made me question how seriously I was going to take this. and I was fortunate there was a ski parent who was a former um, uh, canoeing coach who mm-hmm. had mm-hmm. Olympic gold medalist in canoeing and, and he um he set up this this um, this I say club, a London performance center and I was coaching about Half a dozen ski slopes. This is in the mid nineties.
2: Okay.
1: Um, lots of ski slopes, dry ski slopes. So because I was, I was, I did a lot of dry skiing. I was, I was, you know, ranked number one a couple of times, nineteen eighty and nineteen ninety. How about that for a spread? Oh, I've yeah, I'd I'd been I'd British champion on, on the dry dry mat. Okay. But uh, okay. I, I, yeah, I could do downhill and I could do slalom and plastic and everything else was a bit sketchy. Yeah. But the, um, yeah, the progress into into setting up the British Ski Academy. ran that centre for a few years. Um, with uh, actually Graham Bell was one of the co-directors and um, Sean Ryan was one of the principal coaches mm-hmm. and um, things fell out with that and there was a guy called Malcolm Howard who ran the ski high school there was a precursor to what we do now yeah. and he had, he had provided mainly post-GCSE training and some, of the, some younger ones sprinkled in there mm. and so he'd come to the end of his road and I was looking to set up like a weekend ski academy for kids to come out for three, four days and keep up with their school work you know, do regular hits during the winter. Mm. Um, and he said, well, why don't you take on ski high school? I said, I wouldn't do it your way. It would have to be a new business. And blah, 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 blah. one thing led to another. And he was actually looking for the name. It was the then um, chief executive for the British Ski Federation, as it was then called. A guy called Mike charging he said, well, what is that? Well, it's a British Ski Academy. so we'll call it British Ski Academy. Yeah. And we, it took a five years, about five years of trading before we were able to register with the British. So we traded under a different name before then, but we've been established so long now. So we were there. Um, we just, I got into training the kids from a younger age for consequential amounts of time and keeping up with the schoolwork. Never, never um, skimped on the resource for the teaching. So the teaching has always been really good ratios, and we've been fortunate. Particularly, when we were in Shami for twenty years. We we're fortunate there. But um, we used to recruit from the UK and bring teachers across. But actually, we found there's some really high achieving people who end up in the Shami Valley with teaching experience who are quite, you know quite keen on uh, just get, getting some some money along the way and you know feed their skiing habit yeah and, and over, over the many years we've been doing this there's been a lot of people who could have done more lucrative work but um like what we do and and have um, been a part of it but yes i founded it in 1996 the british Ski academy
0: wow okay and there's a
1: lesson there. yeah there have yeah. been a few there have been quite a few spin-offs just in the last 10 years so so we were the only show in town really unless you're going to do an international academy. We were the only ones who were providing a satellite to the UK schools during the winter. Do you follow? I mean, there's a lot, there are year-round ski academies. You've got five of them in Austria that are fed a million euros per annum from the, from, um, from the government in Austria yeah. to do their thing. And there's others in the States that get endowments and all sorts, and they do a, they do a fantastic job those academies. For the UK, it's easy enough to get across – what do we need? I figured, well, we don't need a year-round one. We need a winter base. And that's what it's yeah. been. It's been a hub, a hub for really increasing the volume of uh, training for British kids since um, the last 24, 25 years now.
0: And what do, I mean, There's two. so there's two things. One, I was going to say, that's an expert lesson in marketing. If you've got, if you're looking for a name for your business, just call it what it
1: is. <laughs> <laughs> well, we call it the name. I think some people get a bit uh, annoyed that we've got the name British, but we were the... The first full-on, big, you know, um, yeah, doing perfect. what it says on the tin. And all it was ever meant to be, it, it's a not-for-profit. I mean, this is a, a business where, um, I'll, I'll say this up front and center, we mm-hmm. we've um, we make it, there are lots of academies now, but we've gone for the sort of inclusive um, style,
2: yeah. and we've
1: tried to make it affordable. It's an expensive sport, let's be honest, but mm-hmm. it's we've made it more affordable. We've had some lovely people who've, who've, who've donated money for bursaries mm-hmm. over the years. So... Any racer who's made the full British national team who's come through a state school education mm. has, has used us to a smaller or, le- or greater degree. Okay. Um,
0: yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I mean, well, British in the name is it's just how it is, isn't it? But if it's a, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, no, that's fair enough. And so your model is a non-profit model. Um, to a lot, some of the others, I guess some of the others in the
1: in the no, space no, as well. I mean, in are, fairness to everyone, clock. it's, I don't know if anyone's making a lot of money out of it. I'm certainly <laughs> I'm, I'm not a good enough to make money out of it, but it's a wonderful lifestyle. It's something I, I've loved doing all my life, and I, uh, yeah, I you know, don't, what do I need?
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. I don't think there's anyone really, um, you know, no one, no one in the ski industry is really in it for the money. That's for sure. Um, no matter how hard you try. Um, but the, the, yeah. Okay. So in terms then, what do you do with the ski academy? If if it's, if it's for the winter, do you spend your summers doing what I do, which is kind of plotting for the, the following winter or are you, how does it, do you do any, do you have any activity in the summer?
1: Yeah, that, that, so it, there's always been um, camps throughout the year um, in, in all the school holidays, and um, the, we're now uh, uh, in line with our um, competitors. We, we provide training, pretty much consequential training year round. Okay. So that you're you're getting you're getting all the indoor camps and um, weekend camps. So there's well, there's, a, there's a lot going on the whole time. We started. With, I mean, we, we were doing camps down to. Um, Wherever it been, Chile, New Zealand, um, yeah. South Africa. In recent years, South Africa's a funny one, but it's worked really, really well. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, there's uh, there, there's there's a lot of strings to the bow that don't all appear on um, on the website and what we publish because you'll have um, select camps as well as open camps.
0: Oh, okay, I understand. So, but so so the, the, the main
1: core of what we do, I mean, it's, I mean, okay, at the top end, at the elite end, there's a lot of noise. There are a lot of people who are who are providing services for kids who want to make the national teams. Yeah. There's, there's, a, there's a good sort of seven or eight now mm-hmm. of which, you know, we're in the top, I'd say, three or four. Yeah. Um, we, we've been we've been very successful in terms of in recent years, the entire British team, recent Olympics and World Championships have, have, have spent time with us on them a lot, a lot of time. Mm. And that's uh, so that will change. There'll be others coming through to the other academies now, new yeah. academies. Yeah. So we don't have we're not every sure corner of the market, but what we did was we showed it was possible. Then more people started doing it. So you've actually got a pretty healthy state of affairs for British ski racing. You've got lots of pockets of excellent activity at the dry slopes, mm. indoor slopes, and there's there are ways and means to get out on the snow um, throughout the throughout the winter and a, hell of a lot besides. I mean, the guys are going pretty much full time. We've got some boys were out with Alan throughout I cautioned against this. Mm. Some of the there's one boy, I won't put name on names, but there's one boy who's done uh, um, oh golly, I couldn't tell you the number of days off the top of my head, but he did a huge amount through the autumn. Mm. And I said that's gonna hurt his schooling because most of the schooling gets done in the autumn term. Yeah. And then the you have the, the winter term or spring term before um you know for revision and exams in the summer term for exam, exams in the summer term, right? Yes, yes. So uh, he did fall behind a bit with his schooling, which made him more difficulties during the winter. Yeah. So you, there's a constant balance of, uh, of of of, what we're buying into is enabling the racers to, to have a foundation in sport without jeopardising their grades. Yeah. That's a big. Thing. You can do both. It's just hard work and organisation and getting on with it. You can succeed in school. You know, if you've got it in you and and in sport. I and mean, there's some some guys who you know there have been boys. I think. I look back, you were, you know, never going to make it in school. I mm. was probably one of them. And, and, yeah. and it means, fine, you know, you've got to, there's a legal obligation, you know, through your schooling to, to keep it up to a point. And I think it's really important for even for those racers who want to go full-time to keep educating themselves and, mm. you know, educating their minds and, 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 and foreign languages. My goodness, if you're going to be a ski racer, you better learn French and German.
0: Yeah, yeah, mm. well, that's, that, that's, yeah, I agree with you. That but that. Italian doesn't
1: hurt. <laughs> <We> found <laughs> <laughs> so everyone, everyone speaks French in Aosta. So hey, bada bing, bada bong. They they it. do
0: actually. Yeah, it's it's one of the nice things about going to Aosta is I don't have to order anything in Italian because uh, everyone. It is you know. I guess that region's been going backwards and forwards since uh, since time eternal.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, look at the place names, but also the other nice things about it. Look at the lunch. Oh, a 10 euro lunch just,
0: you can't get that where you are it's what it's one you certainly can't it's one of the uh, it's one of my favorite things about living exactly where i do because on the sort of the summer motorbike days and i go with my buddies you know we can head off and the the mountain passes in the grand Saint bernard is what 40 minutes away you know straight over to france and you know but but the, my one of my favorite trips to do is over the over the top of the grand Saint bernard down into Aosta lunch and then to ride that road back up it's just, it's it's unbelievable. It's like a racetrack. Uh, have
1: awesome. you done all the passes? Have you done them all yet?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm working on it gradually, but uh, I've got, uh, it's, it's a question of time, actually, and getting, <laughs> you, it's,
1: it's trying try to organize. Well, it's a question of borders reopening at the moment. Well, yeah. at the
0: moment, yeah, I'm stuck in Switzerland, so I'm stuck and limited by their speed limits, but the, uh the yeah, it, it, trying to get my my motorbike crew organised to go and do you know a day out or a couple of multiple days to go and ride some big passes is 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 more difficult than you can possibly imagine. It's uh <laughs> that's just how it goes. Yeah. Since we are on the topic of schooling, because this is this is actually something that I've often I often sit there and think about you know how school could be redone in general. But let's talk initially about about um. About BSA and schooling. Uh, how, how does it work for the athletes that come? So, they're in regular, the majority are probably in regular school the rest of the year. So, they'll be going yeah. to their local comp or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and they go there for the autumn term. So, term one, term two, they come to you. And then, term yeah. three,
1: they'll be back well, at a regular school. That's right. So we act as a satellite to many UK schools. Okay. We, I mean, there are some schools you try and steer people towards. You're saying like, where's a good school to go to so we can carry on the skiing, and and, and some are more amenable than others. Okay. Uh, so we've got lots of kids relocated to uh, to, to to make it happen. Yeah. Um. Well, the yes. Yeah, so well, I think that answered the question. We are, we all act as a satellite to UK schools, but it's not as if. Uh, a lot of times they are coming out for a season or for half a season. And I think the schools, some schools find it easier to sign off on that. Um, mm. And then maybe the kid pops in, sorry, the student returns <laughs> to have this work check. But so much can be done online now, with, online with the checking, um, that it's, it, it's actually that side of it's getting easier. Okay. But not all of our students come out for the whole winter. And some are just doing two or three weeks here or there, you know, chunks, bite-sized oh, okay. chunks.
0: Okay. And, you, and what age range do they come to you from? What, what age range upwards?
1: So, living in, you most likely be 11 or older. Sometimes you have someone like a 10 year old, depends on, on, the, on the situation. And um, living out, we've had some fantastic little 7 and 8 year olds this year. It's been a lot of fun. Oh, wow. Uh, but the, av- the, average, the average trainee um, is about 13, 13, 14 years old.
2: Okay.
0: All right. And they got, that presumably goes all the way up. Your fist group will be what? Up to 18, then,
1: I guess yeah that's right there's generally uh, 18 and some some 19 and 20 now oh, really? okay it, it, yeah it's it's a um, it's a great gap year thing to do if you're really serious though about making the national team then you're you're probably you, there you should be on the team by the time you're 21 22 i mean look at uh, Laurie taylor was with us for oh, eight or nine years we couldn't get rid of him he was there the whole time <laughs> and he's now he's scored his he's scored his first world cup points now in kitsbill
2: yeah it's great isn't
1: it it's uh, yeah how about that yeah uh, absolutely yeah. fantastic for a kid just uh, you know really this is this is a this is not a high-income family you know yeah. I, I i mean I, I won't dwell on it but the, the the boy spent a couple of seasons washing dishes at our old place in france to, to pay for a season really mm-hmm. i mean even with a scholarship you just gotta gotta do something so yeah and he was the happiest dishwasher you could imagine yeah that uh yeah there's there it's all different i think that we, we're inclusive and friendly, but. What we've identified is that, you know, there's, there are a lot of places we've got, we've got a wonderful fist team under Alan, Alan, Mm. Alan Baxter, you know, legend Alan, he's, he's really enjoying it. You know, he was, he was in his shop for a number of years and just just the freedom of getting out on the road.
0: Well, I was (laughs) going to say that's what Alan, he's a lovely guy
1: anyway, but he's really happy in his work. But he was getting quite the
0: reputation, wasn't he, for for um, being this sort of boot fitting guru up there. Yeah. And and I've seen he's on my list of people to to visit. But um, yeah, you know, he's he's decided to do something different now, which is uh, I I didn't realise that well, he ended kids, up with you.
1: Yeah, yeah. Alan's um, it, we're not the only string to his bow, but he's doing a, a a lot with us. He's our head coach on the fifth side, mm-hmm. and he's his children are doing very well. So they're in the program, the younger program, and he's he's coaching the over okay. over 16s as a head coach. Of the over 16s,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, yeah. But mean he's a class act. Oh, I, I love it. We've got the gym all set up, so you see him. He's constantly in the gym, and yeah. so the, the 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 trainees are just doing extra gym work just to hang around Alan and see what <laughs> see the best. How do you become super fit? It's Watch funny,
0: I, I went to the the Bayesian Common Theory when you used to have to do the, to go to Scotland and do that. And uh, one of the our gym session was with there was a physical training session or something, um, and it was with Alan Baxter. And I uh, I have to say, yeah, he's a proper gym monkey, right? I I couldn't believe the size of this guy yeah. when I went in there. He was enormous. Yeah. Like you know, he looked like he's well, cut it, out of granite.
1: Well, you know, on this uh, ski racing, alpine ski racing is a strength sport. It's got balance. It's got all sorts of requirements, but you can't do it unless you've got terrific core strength. Mm. I mean, strength like like a sheath of muscle from your Your thighs up through each your upper body, just just a whole shape. Look at look at the top guys. Any of them, they're super strong. The the core strength is the thing that's changed a lot since um, the last. Well, since I was a kid. I mean, Mm. if you're not doing your hundred, you know, your sit ups and forget about it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's that though is interesting though because I'd seen a couple. I I remember hearing something about it this year. Was it this year or last year that someone like Christofferson? I'd actually managed that he he had slimmed down, the, compared to where he was previously. He was he was carrying less bulk, I think it was, and I don't know what the idea behind that was. Um, maybe it was for more agility or something like that. But it was. Um, I do remember seeing that last year. And I wonder, you know, I wonder in in kind of the the technical disciplines more more so than speed. I think speed is is kind of more more strength isn't it but but certainly in the technical disciplines you know if you're making giant slalom or slalom turns presumably you want to you'd want to have a blend of agility and and strength rather than just outright strength
1: yeah and one of the things i love about the sport is that it takes all shapes and sizes and uh, Mm. you know and and techniques actually over the years it the the technical side maybe it's more similar than it used to be um that there's not huge amount of uh, line change so in the slalom particularly everyone's pretty much on that bang on that line and the court if the course doesn't deteriorate you can still get guys from the back doing really well
2: yeah
1: And um, so there's the the, the the christopherson's movement um have a look at his alignment at the top of the turn at the end of the turn he, he, he does he's, he's doing something it's a whole body move it's not just from the hip but he's getting he's he's applying the pressure to his edge it's very uh well it's beautiful uh, and he ends up able to make super quick changeovers because mm. he's in shape all the time well yeah like, I mean, dave look at, i mean dave's just beautiful to watch not yeah. the strongest not most agile um it, if he was if he'd got that good just a few years younger can you imagine just those last 15 16 gates we need to keep the power going yeah but what a fantastic skier beautiful technician
0: it's um it's it, it the, one of our, our recent guests i think it was the last one it, um or, or one of the others it was um guy from sun valley um taco and he was he was saying a similar thing about being balanced above you know being balanced yeah. above the boot yeah. at the top of the turn and he was, that was his big yeah. thing um yeah. and i see that a lot you see it with with dave you know you can see that his equipment is is perfectly set up for him and it allows all of his his body movements to to, to do what they need to do and and, and Christofferson looks the same to me you know look it looks like everything is just just he just got it dialed you know everything is 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 correct yeah. to his well, body.
1: Well I, I I'm not um, the guy to speak on this, Alan. Um, Alan can look at a race and, and he knows if there's a problem with the setup. Oh really? And, and look at the lower suspension system, the stiffness of the boots and the mm. you know the the edge the, the, you know how you set up to tune the skis, everything. He's he's just uh, as you'd imagine, they, uh, I think the guys on the world, you know, traveling on the world cup circuit, you obsessed about your boots and your, and, and your, and your tuning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to, right? What else, what else are you going to do?
0: Well, yeah, yeah. There's certainly some big rabbit holes to go down there, isn't there? Um, so, so tell me, I'm going to jump back to where we were, but where, tell me about how the schooling works. So these guys, I'm going to, I'm going to suggest they probably what they train in the morning and then they come yeah. back and do the schoolwork in the afternoon.
1: So, we structure six three hour tutorials per week. You'll have double school. This is a standard week. It, okay. it usually falls out of that shape, and there's a lot of flexibility depending on, you know, if you've suddenly you've got a powder day. But yeah, yeah. If, so you've got double school on a Sunday, so two three hour sessions. Okay. Anyone who's just arrived on the Saturday, you wouldn't do that to them. You take them skiing in the morning, then tap into the afternoon session. Yeah. And then for three days training on the Monday, uh, maybe some big mountain skiing, mm-hmm. you know, get all over the place, get some miles in. Uh, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you've got school. Usually, sort of two thirty to five thirty. So you go up, you ski, you have lunch. Maybe there's a few guys staying up for a clinic or doing some extra skiing here or there. But you, it, that's only if they're if they're up with the school. You've got to make sure that 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 whole school setup um, is organised beforehand. So we have we have a liaison officer. She's fantastic, Penny. Elizabeth mm-hmm. Merch, Penny McLennan. Comes over from Chamonix most days a week, oh, wow. and she sets up a really good team of uh, tutors, and they they come in, do their job, sparkle, yeah. and uh, head back out again, and they that that's the basic there are six three hour tutorials, and within the eighteen hours, you can certainly keep up, um, actually more than keep up. You can you can you, oftentimes the racers return home and they're ahead of school, really, but uh, yeah, because well, the, you've got the, the ratio, you've got five on one. Yeah. Got, <laughs> that's a start, isn't it? And particularly, say, if you're dyslexic and you're, you're waiting for more interventions, and you don't want to be stood, you know, sat there for 10 minutes with your hand in the air. Mm. So, while for the teachers, it's a little bit more complicated because the, the students are on different schemes of work, It's um, for them, I, I always think it's like a chess grandmaster playing five tables at the same time. Yeah, yeah, But, but they're, 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 they'll be doing that. Their physics and there, everything except chemistry practical because we don't have a laboratory. Okay. But uh, everything else can be organised with wine, and as long as that triangle works of the liaison between the UK family, the UK school, and our team, yeah. Then, uh, and it doesn't always, uh, but this, <laughs> nine times out of ten, they arrive, they hit the classroom running. Wow. The funny thing is the approach, the initial approach to the schools. Mm. And there is no telling, Dave. Some, some are all for it, they can see the merit immediately. Some assume that you can't possibly have any work going on on a skiing holiday yes. and refuse to <laughs> set the work. So, yeah. I, by not giving them the work, it's a self fulfilling prophecy, it won't get done. Yes.
2: Yes.
1: <laughs> but it's a, it's a pain in the neck. The schools are great because there's, it's like having a mini Ofsted every time they have a student coming out. Yeah. You, know, what are you going to be working on at this time, and this time, and this time. Yeah. So they've got to be organised, and it, and it is uh, it's an onus on them to, to do extra work for this for this particular kitty who's coming out. So um, we're, we appreciate that.
0: Yeah. So so here's what. So I apologise for this rant just before to all these uh, all of the teachers that I may know that be listening to this. I think you could quite easily reorganise school so that. So that it would be, well, even along the lines that you've just talked about, right? I think there's a lot of dead time in schooling, in general, you don't think. in school. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of, you know, and I, and I, I do this, I, I even looked at this when I used to work back in an office back in, 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 in London, you know, back in the day, um, you you know, I used to, you could condense your work probably into about two or three hours, the actual real work that goes on. The rest of it is kind of just standing around at the water cooler and doing, you know, chit-chatting and, and idly wasting time. The And the same to me it looks a little bit the same with schools. In addition to the, the three months off a year that some of the international schools have around here, you know, that, that's all dead time as well. Now, that would either manifest itself either in less pressure on the students if there was less time off. Or you could get the same amount done in a shorter space of time. So that you would free yourself up to go skiing or play football or do, you know, whatever it is that, that, that the student is is actually interested in. Rather than a lot of the dead time that that, that strikes me that's in the academic system. Um, I've been thinking, you know, it's on my bucket list of things to do is kind of reinvent a school along similar lines to what you're doing. Seems to me you're already doing it, so I'm not going to go into competition with you. It doesn't sound like you're doing any right. more competition, but um, but but yeah, it, it, there is no question that the students can keep up. In, in a shorter period of the day, they they don't need
1: to be. Well, some certainly the, can. The that, it, there, there might be a problem that, that a lot of schools have, state schools perhaps, where you you're you constantly having to pitch the lower lower common denominator. Yes. And I, I, and I'm, I, uh, it strikes me that if a school can, you can't get the blo- excuse me get the work done in the nine to four or the eight thirty to four three thirty whatever, mm. then there's some, there is a problem. They shouldn't be sending the kids home with. Um, Uh, Homework. What is this homework nonsense? That's 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 a killer. That that's make that's making a lot of families really miserable. So you end up where the mum or the dad ends up um, actually doing the work. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. yeah. That's not right. Something something doesn't sound right about that. Uh, I, I'm not an educationist, so I, I won't answer any of that. But we employ some very good teachers who seem to be able to get the work done in a in a reasonably short space of time. Yeah, because they're, they're not distracted with other things, perhaps.
0: My initial my initial thoughts on this came from um, something I think it was the park. Is it the Park City Academy, one of those in the US mm-hmm. that has all of its curriculum available online? So actually, what a lot of those elite kids do in, say, Park City, for example, would be that they're they're abroad. For, for the entire Northern Hemisphere winter. They're, they're away racing in Europe or whatever. But the, curriculum's, the curriculum is available online. So if they've got a spare, you know, half an hour or an hour um, while they're over there, they can just go on, access their work, go and do it. And because they haven't got someone, apparently, this is this is what I heard anyway, I heard it somewhere, but because they haven't got someone sort of standing over them saying you must do this work the, the responsibility turns three you know turns 180 degrees and the responsibility is then on the student right and the student is like well you've got to get to this point by this period this point in time up to you to find out how you get there all of the resources are available online and the school is open whenever you're back in town and it's just a completely different way of thinking about education and i'm wondering actually i wonder if a lot of people's eyes are going to be open to this while we're in this kind of locked. Oh. i thought uh, malcolm's last minute story about how he got uh, he managed to get out of italy And uh, was 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 a pretty good one that'll go down uh, certainly in British Academy folklore the day that they managed to escape uh, the border closing around them Um, certainly a lot of interesting stuff to say there and I've certainly got my opinions on on schools and how it could be done better but uh, but uh, yeah I can see you know that there's a way there's a there's there's certainly another way that you could condense a lot of schoolwork in but that probably doesn't work on a on a mass scale um, with schools. In general, but maybe one day that that, that that will come in the future. And certainly with this uh, with this situation that we've got now, sort of across the world, people are finding out that you know there is a there is a way that you can educate your children at home, and maybe a, a different way of living in general. Actually, um, certainly less commuting to the office. Certainly, um, maybe this will open open people's eyes to, to, to pointless meetings and and um, you know pointless pointless travel. But um, yeah, that's a bit of a tangent for me anyway. Um, in the second half, um, we then sort of move on to something that I really wanted to ask uh, Malcolm about, which was was about the training progression and, and how, when and how, or what that looks like as to when you stop teaching specifics to people um, or athletes, young athletes in general, or indeed students. And then what it looks like, <clears throat> excuse me, what it looks like a little bit um, when, you know, you start to shape performance, what age that comes, how it works. Um, so I managed to have a chat about that and then I think we we disappeared off onto a couple of tangents here and there about other subjects. So um, enjoy the second half wherever you are in Europe and um, I've got a couple of other podcasts lined up now because every, uh, everyone's sort of become available so there's some really good content coming up and uh, and I'll try and get those done and released so that at least you've got something ski related to listen to so um so yeah enjoy the second half and i'll see you on the next one we're back into it um what i what i wanted really that one of the bits that i really wanted to talk to you about because i think it's more from the coaching side rather than the, the educational side, which is interesting to a point, but we're here to talk about skiing, ideally. Um, when you're, you know, you were saying to me that you've got kids there as young as sort of seven or eight, and, and it goes all the way up through through to 18. That presumably, there comes a point where you, you stop teaching them, and then you're more kind of shaping their performance. You're going more from kind of teaching to coaching, I'd say. Is that is that fair to say that that's what your experience on the hill looks like?
1: Yes, I, um, I, I can draw, I draw a parallel with education here. When you're at primary school, you have one teacher teaching you everything. You advance to secondary, and then you have greater input from a variety of sources. Okay. Then you go through onto A-level and beyond, and you're self-managing. And yeah. the, the, your tutors are there to um, yeah, support you. Um, I think on the coaching side, the, the number one thing, the philosophy of coaching has got to be encouraged. If you're not encouraging, you're not giving anything. Mm. And that's so important because it's tough. You know, the kids are in a situation that's, uh, you know, they're away from home and they're, I mean, hey, the skiing's fun. It should be fun. You should teach them, you know, enjoy the mountains, respect the mountains and love what you're doing. Mm. Um, we don't want entitled little brats not appreciating things and littering and swearing. And, you know, that's a, that can be a battle. Yeah. But it's, it, there's a lot of growing up that happens in an academy. There's a time for uh, ski school and a time, you know, private lessons, and then there's a time for ski clubs and ski academies. And Mm -hmm. when I say that we're inclusive, we're we're fairly broad, but we don't do basic ski instruction. That's something that I mean. uh, I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but I want that's that's something that we have an agreement with the region. Uh, the autonomous region of Ulster, that we do not and will not function as a ski school. That's why we were invited to move from France where we were running into all sorts of trouble because we were being viewed as a ski school, perversely, because we certainly weren't. And the agreement is that they would never challenge who we employ to coach our private race team.
2: Mm.
1: You know, we, we do operate all over the world, and we just happen to need an alpine base. You know, for 20 years it was in France, and now for four years it's been in Italy. Yeah. And we're, the Italians are very accommodating, and, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're super happy where we are. The grooming's really good. There's We, we miss Germany in some respects, but the the, the skiing is uh, is excellent in, in Pila and the, the surrounding resorts, so we get all we need there. The, gr- the grooming
0: is good, isn't it? Like, I have to say, compared to Switzerland, the, 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 the way they groom the piece in Italy is just out of this world. I, I always yeah. go early season to go ski in Trevignia. And, um, yeah. my God, it's it's just brilliant over there. It's really, yeah. really brilliant. I'd yeah. heard that each, each piece, I don't know whether you can verify this as fact or not, but I'd heard yeah. that each kind of sector of piece is looked after by a guy with an individual contract. As opposed okay. to it being. That's be to me. That, I,
1: that, they're, they're doing something, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, maybe that's the way to do it. Give everyone their own like patch of land to, to, to make sure they look after it really well. But um, in
1: Pino, the, the, the head of the piece there is a, a, a top former coach and, and raised himself, a guy called Mara Cornatz, who was right. a, a very good Italian World Cupper. Mm-hmm. And then he was the head coach for the French speed team. I and mean, he was Al- Luc Alphonse's coach when he won the overall. Oh, wow. You know, not many. French have won it. Mm. They didn't. Win, they did win it this year. They came close. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, he's um, he's he, he's he, you know you don't get anything past marrow. He's really solid. Mm. Um, and, and the other resorts there uh, generally you find that they're welcoming, friendly. There's there is quite a lot of pressure on the training space, but we're um we're partly because of the uh, you know having Alan is a big asset because mm. everyone knows him and yeah. it's like I mean the 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 guy um lorenzo potter's hotel you you know he got a top 10 world cup back in the day mm. but he's um one of the guys he's the head he's, he's the head coach uh, of chamois club um for the Fist and his under 16 head coach is federico Brignoni's dad oh, wow. so it's like a big family yeah, it's cool. yeah, yeah. We're, we're... actually when we were escaping when we were escaping <laughs> uh, I was the last van out, right? And the, the, the Grand Sink Van, we got there and it was shut, but it oh. turned out it was due to the roadworks. Right. When they finally opened us through at about quarter to one, a, a van pulled up behind me it was the Italian team van. I wondered if it was Federica trying to get out. Yeah. Turns out it was probably more likely a Swiss coach with an Italian team van. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, the Italians are, are lovely, lovely warm people. Yeah. I, um, I, I'm really so sorry for the, the hardships they're going through now yeah um, it's difficult
0: let's let's um let's talk later a little bit about the move from sham to to italy um but I'm, I'm curious to explore more this this kind of uh yeah all right you're not teaching kids how to ski right they can already ski when they come yeah. to you yeah. um but some of it i imagine for the youngest some of it must look a little bit like instruction because you can't yeah. you can't shake the performance parallel, if the isn't performance isn't yeah. there
1: Oh, hey! Look, you—you know, all the best instructors are getting them to stand the right way, get their hands and their head in the right place, and get mm. the feet doing the right things. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, that's, it, it's it—it is very similar. There's a uh, maybe with us. I mean, there's an expectancy that you are there to improve and there to work. Yeah. Um, and there's an ethos there. We've got enough. We've always been. I've always been in the fortunate position that you know you set up the arena and everything. But you—if you have a preponderance of of athletes there who are really keen mm. then it pulls everyone else along yes you know when sometimes you have an athlete with all the potential but they're in a sort of holiday group you know or you know that you can hold them back but the equally you can have a group of strong skiers and there's one clown in there then that clown if he's really you know causing problems he's going to add on a few seconds to his time in his races but he's going to add on a few tenths to everyone around him
2: yeah so you've
1: got yeah. to take this so you know you have to have this attitude that has to got to be if you've got a problem, you should be pulling your hair out. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't. I'd hope it's not always the case, but you'd hope that if any kid doesn't make it to fulfil their potential, it's that it, that hasn't happened through negligence on your part running an academy. Yeah. And you look back every year and you think, okay, where can we improve? And what are we? You know, what's been good, what's, what's not been so good. Mm. Well, I mean, you know, the, the fitness has been improving with us. So we've had our own gym now for a few years. Yeah. But one, one of the things that strikes me is um, mental strength, you know, the mental training. It's a huge, huge part of the game. Do you see so any do you know, any of that? That's part of the coaching to, yeah. you know, the, to, to make sure that they're connecting with the kids and not just encouraging them but giving them the tools. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what we're trying to do for the, if, if we talk about preface up to age of 15, you're not looking for, for, per, you're not looking for perfection. Yeah. Your, your job as an academy is to develop the skills, the conditioning, and the attitudes. And then you look for perfection, you know, more towards 17, 18, 19. That's when you're really trying to, you know, ramp it up. we're, we're um, Yeah, but to answer your question, um, it's not... Uh, i don't know enough about ski school to tell you the diff- all the differences except to say that uh it's it's, it's uh, if the kids love going fast and they've got it in them then they'll be with other like-minded guys and they'll be steered
0: yeah yeah the, 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 one of the reasons that i asked this because I, I i worked a little bit this year I not I, I i've got this kid that i know and I used to teach him a little bit but he's kind of He's already kind of outstripped anything that I could I could tell him. He's. <clears throat> I was quite lucky that his father asked me to have a little look at something last year that he didn't get, something that was lost in translation between sort of French and English, and we managed to find what that thing was, um, last year. But the. Ooh, the yeah. Oh, you're still there. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm just saying. Um, I'm congratulating you. I'm oh well, yeah, you. it yeah. wasn't.
0: It wasn't there. It was weird. It was actually to, to do with the position of 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 how he was holding his hands. And where that yeah. put his balance? It was really it, was a, it took me ages to find, it took me hours to find, but we found it in the end. Anyway, the point was I skied with him again this year, and I you know he, he, I think he's twelve or thirteen, maybe yeah I think twelve or thirteen, but you know there's the when you look at him skiing, there isn't actually that much that you could look at and say well I changed that, I changed that, I changed that. So, so, my, you know, the question or the, the the thing I wanted to talk to you about really came from, So, is that the sort of age where, right, okay, you've got all the movements roughly in place and now for the next few years, all we're going to concentrate is getting the training environment right and that will gradually serve to get those movements to perfection later on down the line? Or are you think, still going into their individual technique
1: at that point? Well, now that's a really good question. Yeah. Um, I'll say this that um, some of the best athletes have, have self taught from a young age. Or they've not been they've not had all the quality coached out of them. You can overcoach if you- you're constantly slowing someone down to get this or that right. Yes, there are the slow drills are brilliant drills. You know, doing, if you can't do it at slow speed, then how can you expect to do it at high speed? Yeah. But um, you, you've got to have a large part of the training. has got to be the freedom for them to express themselves on skis. My, my problem is when free skiing is sloppy skiing, there's, there's, you know, Michaela Schifrin's always said that from a young age, she was thinking about something. So yeah. a lot of concentration went into it and what she was doing. That was from her. Mm. Maybe her parents were encouraging her in the right way and not annoying her mm. but um my locker my old mates martin bell and martin he was driven you know his, his mum, you know was just fierce but uh, <laughs> he was one of those guys who had the the um, capacity to to train really hard and to think about it really hard mm. and he was he was always working on something on his skis um, and that was um he, he was super strong as well and that did help but he was on the technical side he used to say more like fifteen, look, you guys are as good as me technically, but you're not as strong. Mm-hmm. And that was true. But he was he was very professional from a young age. And that's something where, okay, your your students are gonna have make lifestyle choices, aren't they? They're gonna decide if it's to them if they really want to take it seriously. Yeah. And you just want to have them in a position that when that clicks, that they decide, okay, I really want to get good. That that you, you they've got a, a decent foundation and that you point them the right way.
2: Yeah.
0: So so a certain amount of this has got to come from within them. And that probably that's that's what separates, you know, the 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 guys who didn't make it maybe, you know, from the ones that that, that go all the way through. And and I suppose that, that also applies that can equally apply to kind of recreational skiing, ski instructor exams, you know, that kind of stuff. Life in general, I guess.
1: How, how many how many skiers can you think of who are unhappy because they never got the boots sorted who never advanced because they never got the suspension system sorted mm. it's that there, there are, who, who knows there are, there are lots of things lots of things that can stop you the ones who tend to get through they've probably got some parents who are kind of yeah, taking an interest I mm. don't think you can become a champion unless you choose your parents wisely I think parents make champions yeah and, and if they're in a good coaching system well the coaching system won't won't wreck it <laughs> yeah. won't get in the way too much right i mean there's a lot that we know as coaches and a lot we can provide but we don't let's 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 make it clear we don't have all the answers and we've got to be open to fresh ideas and constantly looking around because the sport does evolve things yeah. change and you've got to uh, keep abreast of that
0: yeah it's true well actually it's funny you talk about boots because i talk about my own boot journey but actually I've been I'm still on this kind of quest I think I've found the guy the guy who seems to understand (laughs) but you know when you're you know as well as I do new boots every day they've got to be more or less perfect otherwise any little aggravation does it and it's been it's actually I'm sitting here in my office and it's on my goals list for this year and it, it says there it's right near the top comfortable ski boots and I've struggled with boots for the last two years and then years and years before that and it's been a constant sort of evolution to try and find the best setup for me and I'm not far from it and this year this year to be fair even it's a shorter season I've had comfortable ski boots and ski boots that seem to respond well to what I'm asking them to do and the like yeah they're. I think it's, it makes a huge difference but <laughs> but I'm not, I wonder how many people have got the kind of the the uh, what would you obsess obsessive sort of personality to keep Hunting down new boot people and keep trying different stuff and that kind of thing. I guess there are a bunch of people who probably just fall out along the way of that process and never really find the solution.
1: Exactly, exactly. I think we, we get um, students who are, who are inducting into the sport, but have got a good background in all mountain skiing. We get quite a few of them. All right. um, we, 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 I'd say, we get more who are already in the sport, whether from you know skiing on dry slopes or. Yeah. Um, and um, the the ones that have come and, and are inducting into the sport oftentimes their boots will be too big there'll yeah. um, like, be um, there'll be various things that you you know you, you want to check right away on no. their equipment for sure if you're going to give them the chance to because otherwise you're just making the right moves but you're not being rewarded you're not getting the feedback so
0: yeah there's a delay right there's a delay yeah. if, if your boot is too big yeah. you know the, the, yeah. there's a, that extra few millimetres that the, the foot has to do before the equipment response is, is lost time or it's lost, yeah. you know, accuracy, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's something that, that any uh, anyone looking at kids' performance should be considering. I mean, are they, you know, when you're teaching little kids, you might say to them, okay, everyone do your boots up a bit tighter, tighten to the point where if they were, you don't want them to hurt, but if it was any tighter, mm. it would hurt, Yeah. right?
2: yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> so then, and then you get the bottom of the run and there's a reason why racers aren't tripping their boots. So yeah. when you the boots, you go up the left, you do your boots up again.
2: Yeah, yeah it's true.
0: Uh, do you know, I'd be, I'm amazed how many ski instructors I see who start a lesson without checking their client's boots. Yeah. And it was something that... Um, and they wonder why they're
1: swinging their shoulders. And, and
0: yeah, their yeah, feet. yeah, <laughs> 100%. And, and, and I go through often new clients or clients that don't know me. I'll be like, right, look, this is how you do your boots up properly. This is how it should feel. Um, if okay. it doesn't feel like this, then you're not doing it right, um, and and it you know and and often I'll get them to do a run with their old setup, do their boots up properly, and then do a run with their other setup, and half my job is done already. Bingo, because their feet is actually doing what they they're, they're asking it to do, and I can't remember who told me that. Who t- it was probably one of my old bosses, a guy called Ernest um, in in So thanks for that, Ernest. He won't be listening to this, but um, <laughs> but who oh yeah yeah well he's, he's a wise old sort of mountain sage guy from more well way. a lot of things that
1: haven't that simply haven't changed those are the basic principles you no but doing it boots up one of them uh, yeah
0: Yeah, because you know and it's you can see it you can see when clients aren't skiing properly with their, their you know with their their equipment not done up you can if you your eye is right you can see it you can see that yes. difference um okay cool um do you all right so we took a, uh, you said something a minute ago there's two other little tangents I'd love to go off on if you've got a moment The mm-hmm. you said one about what makes a, a, a good parent like a good sort of ski racing parent mm-hmm. um, you know you guys put in place all of the, the things that you can do but it's got to come from the kid but what, what does a good ski racing
1: parent look like the prob- well the. <laughs> It helps it helps if they've had a background in sport themselves because they understand about the importance of training Mm -hmm. uh, and and get and probably equipment as well, but it's it's yeah now I Think the best parents are the ones who are going to be taking stress out of the situation rather than putting it on But also they're they're not gonna they they want to check on what's going on They don't they don't want to be told oh you're a pushy parent hey i wish my parents had been pushier. <laughs> you, know? mm-hmm. you need you need the parents uh on side and that uh, moral family support is essential uh for an athlete to to get to a consequential level mm-hmm. so what does a good parent look like i don't know they're they all different but you can you know when you're talking to them you can tell the ones who've got have got their eye you know they've got their tuned in to performance development
0: okay okay
1: a personal development as well because that's so important, right? It's not it's not all about the ski racing and I think uh, that the first and foremost kid that the, the, the parents want to know that the kids are going to themselves and are happy mm-hmm. and they're being looked after and they're safe So that, that's all important but they also they quite like to know that their kids are Developing the right way and being pushed and if there's a problem that's holding them back that you're getting to grips with it mm. and so that's uh, There's there's a lot to do with the pastoral care and chatting with the kids which we're you know, you you it it would be so much easier if we uh, had that million euros start off. If we had five British academies with a with a million euros yeah. <laughs> to start off for the season, you could employ more people and and you could employ experts to come in and uh, and, and and lecture and, and check up on the on the psychology as well as everything else. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, are you there? Oh, dear. it's a really good question about the parents because you've got to look at you've got to win the parents over um, and educate them really Mm. if they're if they're new to it and oftentimes you'll get the dad who's really gung-ho and Mm. loves the idea and the mum said is a bit concerned and I don't you know I I really like little Johnny to be a lawyer or a doctor and I don't want to to spend a fortune on them going off on a tangent and just being yeah being a dilettante sportsman but I'll say this um, to any parents out there listening if you've got a um, an athlete in the sport and and they're keeping to a fitness program and they're looking after their equipment, these are the two signals that show they're in it for the right reasons and they're going about it the right way. Yeah. If they're really lousy at looking after their equipment and oh, I don't want to do this, you know, hey darling Johnny, you don't have to do this. We can you know we can go and do something else. Yeah. Don't don't waste your money or do what my dad did to me, which is like ban from skiing for a year to, until they come back with more respect and appreciate what they're getting.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you... Uh, yeah, that was my brother's
1: fault. I still maintain <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. We were skiing in lake and uh, we were really bored with the ski school at that time, that particular time. And at the end of our annual two weeks, my brother said, Dad, um, we're not going to do ski school next year. We're too good. We don't need any more. He said, you're doing ski school or you're not coming.
2: <laughs> and he said, you're not
1: the words. I'm like looking at him, looking at Dad. And, and he said, you wouldn't dare. Just, oh, wouldn't. no. Uh, Eleven and a half months later, I'm, I'm like eight, Dom's nine or seven and eight, something like that. He starts packing. We start packing. He says, what are you doing? No, well, we're, we're packing. No, you not. You're going to go and stay with your granny for two weeks. He said you wouldn't go to ski school. We did not get our skiing that oh. year. By gum, we showed him respect after that. Your brother ruined it
0: for... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, one other thing you just mentioned a bit earlier, which I'd love to explore a little bit. more. you must see loads of this, um, is the group dynamics. I, th- I find fascinating in, in, I've been on two ends of group dynamics so I particularly remember going for I think it was a technical exam level three maybe something like that and I was in a really really strong group that sort of just dragged every you know the dynamic of the group there's some good skiers in it and it dragged yeah. everybody along with them you know and everyone was skiing to a really really good level and I think it grew, it. almost everyone in that group passed and even the guys that didn't pass a lot. Um, you know, we all tried to help. We did our absolute best as a group. And, and then I've you know, been, I've also been in the situation on another exam where I've been the worst in the group, and that was a really, you know, I was able to kind of detach myself from what was happening a little bit. But look at the group dynamics of that. And basically, you're like the, you're the odd man out. You know, like the 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 guy that nobody wants to speak to. I've been in a group like that, and it was like, you know proper. I don't know, what is it? Lord, Lord of the Flies kind of uh, experience. You've know, you got your rubbish. That's terrible, talking man. To I feel you. For you. But it does happen. That's, it does happen. I presumably, know. you see that a lot with. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, in, in that situation, probably everyone's out for themselves. You know, it's it's, uh, it's an exam. It's I'll pass, you
1: won't. I'll never see you again, kind of thing. Oh, well, it's, yeah, it's all sorts um, of competitive competitions going in within it. Yeah, Lothen, probably. the the Norwegian ski team. I always remember when I was I was tagging around with the British team and the Norwegians. They loved each other. They were yeah. a band of heroes, band of brothers. They all worked for each other, and they were super nice to each other. And they the 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 aura that came off that team was. Positive, nothing but positive all the time. That's back I mean I'm sure I don't know if it's still the same, it probably is. It just they just seem to be nice people who were keen if they didn't win but their body wins, that's good too. I heard uh, it yeah, I heard it was
0: exactly it. I heard it was exactly like that, except for Christofferson.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's a case apart, isn't he? He's, well, I kind uh, he's of, very special. I, I like it for the television, you know, throwing sticks around. And, you know, that's fine.
0: That's I kind of like him that's, as an anti-hero he, they now. They probably he's all have brilliant.
1: a laugh at his expense. Anyway, Kilden won the overalls. so, so yeah. Good
0: job, uh. No, it's great. So do well, you see group dynamics in action, presumably, over longer term, <laughs> lo- over longer all periods sorts. of time, right?
1: All sorts. Well, certainly within within a group. I mean, I like it when I've got two coaches with One group so you got front and back and you can really control it a little, you know, the best way but um, There's all sorts of dynamics in action. I mean I, in an academy. It's kind of like, you know, put a fly on the wall It's like a big brother house. There's all sorts of things <laughs> happening um, I'll, I'll say this with the the dynamics between um, Within a group or within clubs within a within a region uh, it, You what you need what this is enlightenment, right? Mm. You need your training buddies to be as good as possible so that you can then try and beat them, and it means something. Mm. If you're going to be the best, if you're going to be the best in the world, you constantly want your local standard to be as high as possible,
2: yeah. and that will
1: bring you along. And, and just, just you know, destroying the team, destroying everyone else—it's actually self-defeating. So, uh, at every level, you need this this positive environment where um, everyone, although it's not a team sport, you have good team interaction, mm. and you respect for each other, and you know, get to the bottom. win, lose or draw, you shake hands.
0: Yeah, yeah, but there must have been guys who have come through over the years, thinking in all sorts of sports and all sorts of, you know, not only in skiing, but there must have been guys who have come through, have destroyed every single age group that they've ever come through, you know, just been the best by miles. All the time, yeah. Mar- Martin freak. Bell
1: Martin was uh, at 12, he almost won the under 16 British Championship. He very nearly did, and he won it 13, 14, and 15. In those days, it was merely under 16. He won it three times in a row, it was phenomenal. The mm. kid was absolutely phenomenal. When he was 17, he was ranked two in the world for his age in giant slalom. People don't know that, they think he was just a downhiller. It's mm. actually the guys at Stam said, Ah, you're British, you better only do downhill because you guys cannot done. <laughs> so he became a downhiller, but he could you know, he was also he still got our best Super G result, and he could have been a really good GS gear. So he was our best land skier for a number of years. Actually, had the best points for a few years, quite a few years. Yeah. But yeah, there have been. I mean, say destroyed the competition. I think that, um, you know, in Martin's case, you know, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> he deserves everything. This is a kid who got all his his hires. At, was it fourteen? I equivalent of just below A level, but he got all A grades. I mean, this is, you know, he's a freak. Yeah. <laughs> We shared a flat together, right? Um, yeah. After the, after, yeah, he made some money from the eighty-eight Olympics. Uh, not as money, not as much as Eddie, but still a fair bit. Yeah, yeah. And we we, had a, we got a flat, and and he he'd, uh, he was just training like a beast, even then. It's fantastic. Mm. But it was meant to be a bachelor flat in London, right? But he moved his girlfriend in. I can't believe it. She's a very nice girl, but it was like he'd come home and there'd be dinner on the table. It was it was the wrong yeah. sort of dynamic. It wasn't, what, <laughs> wasn't what I had in mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he, he deserved everything. He worked so hard. You know. and, then, and, and anyone anyone who scored points, you know, any Brit who scores World Cup points, like top 30, for me, that's the goal. Of yeah. what, what are we doing this for? Yeah, to give everyone a love of the sport and encourage people in the sport, but actually at the top level, it's about those guys who make World Cup points. We've got a couple more from BSA on the list now with Charlie Guest scoring her first mm. points and Lauren yeah, Taylor, great. his first points. So yeah. another couple of gold stars. <laughs>
0: But, but I, I imagine though that those guys who do come up through the ranks and are, are destroying every age group, presumably they bump up against the limit of their ability somewhere, right? When you, you imagine when you you arrive at the World Cup or something, you know everyone's good there. Yeah, you know, and and that must yeah. be quite interesting psychologically for them. You know, having been used to used to winning all the time, and all of a sudden you're but getting getting beaten.
1: Yeah, I mean the other thing is you need buddies because um, you, you train as teams, right? I mean mm. sometimes you get placements, um, you know, you can have I don't know, Shemi training with the Germans, Martin training with the Americans. I don't know You, you, you can go and train with other teams, but you're on the road and it's tough. You need, it's the ideal is to have a group around you um, You know, so, it, so Just just to keep it um, keep it friendly yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And spur each other on right? Yeah. But there's business about people coming through and being the top, the top, of the best, the best, all the way from a young age. It's very rare, and I've got to tell you that oftentimes it it, it um it doesn't that doesn't transfer into into fists and international racing. Right. Um, for that very reason, that you it's better if you've got a group of ockers around you, yeah. Um, who are really chatting about it in the off season. If you're just on the run in the off season, and it's like. You know, you're not. You, it's harder to keep thinking about it and, and keep the motivation. Mm-hmm. And what we're doing, and that's another thing to talk about motivation. Our job at another chess academy is to stoke fire. Well, your job, first of all, is to get them going, right? Yeah. And then, and then we can help step it up and stoke that fire. And if the national teams do a good job and they really build that fire, the sad thing for us in Britain is that oftentimes the national teams haven't worked, haven't really worked at all, mm-hmm. and have been badly, badly run. So I'm not saying it's badly run now. I think they've got some really good coaching in there and a lot of good things happening, but there's no sponsorship or not enough. They have to pay what is it, thirty-five grand to take up the place on the team? Oh, really? It's a it's a shocking situation. There is not a sponsor for the British Alpine Ski Team. No way. Dave Dave should be earning money. You know, it should be. Yeah,
2: because, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I assume he was. <laughs> profession, want. for God's sake. Yeah, guys. You know, well, it's not chicken.
0: When I make it big with the ski school, I'll come in with a big, uh, with a big <laughs> buck and it'll all be all right.
2: Well,
1: if Jim Ratcliffe's listening, you never know. Come on. You're sponsoring the you cycling. get stuck in with the skiing. We're clean and we've got some great guys.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right. So let's finish off on this last topic. This sort of, uh, this, this, um, we've, we touched on it a couple of times, but the, the, the move from Chamonix to Italy, you Now I've spoken to our mutual friend, Simon about this and he said, yeah. you have a bit of story to tell, but what it, it what prompted that apart from the, the Italian food being better, coffee's better, I oh, know, we
1: make no mistake, we were thrown out. Um, we were welcome for a long time, then suddenly we weren't welcome anymore, and it was bizarre. And, um, the best that I can explain it is that there were some very strange people at the um in that French system who were making career moves on scoring really hollow victories, right? it was self defeating, I mean, it, it didn't butter any parsnips with the guys down in Grenoble that we were um, really helping the local economy in that, that end of the Chamonix Valley, who we were begging them to leave us alone and that we weren't a ski school. We were demonstrably not a ski school. Our head coach was the former head World Cup uh, technical coach for the Canadian team. Mm-hmm. And we were being harassed and harassed and harassed. And it was, it got to the stage where I had to release um, oh, come on, my French, it's been four years. Oh. Uh, yeah, I kept giving these uh, some summonses to come into the cop shop and, uh, okay. and talk about nonsense.
2: Yeah. And
1: the the, the, oh, the word will come to you in a minute. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the final time, I, I've had enough. And I said, look, I'll come, we'll make an appointment, and we'll I'll come in with my lawyer, at the end of the season, and we'll straighten a few things out, and uh, let's do it that way because there's only a few weeks to go. Mm-hmm. And he said, "No, you will come in." I tell you to come in. You must come in. I said, "I understand what you're saying." He said, "Will you come?" I said, "No, I'm going to come in." With my lawyer; he's on a big case at the moment. You have to give it a few weeks. Mm-hmm. We do not wait for your lawyer. You will come in, or we'll come and arrest you. We'll come and arrest you and put you in handcuffs in front of all your parents <sighs> and children. I said, "I understand what you're saying. I'll come in with my lawyer at the end." Right. That's it. We're coming to get you. Where are you? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, actually I don't know I don't know what I said. I think Italy, shaking out a new place. Yeah. Well, I mean I looked around and there was funny enough you say Chambury was one of the places that was interested in having us relocate there mm-hmm. and a couple of other places, um, you know, Bregenz, see now, But we we ended up in the Oscar because um with um help from Armin Moman from Momentum Ski, he had the contacts with the politicians and we got the 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 what is it, the governor or you know the yeah. the, the, the the minister for uh tourism trade sport pretty mm. much the lot he he presented us with a letter with stamps all over it, inviting us to bring our academy to it to his corner of, that corner of italy um the autonomous region of Aosta. yeah and uh, and i've I mentioned before that we can employ who we want to coach the kids i mean we do employ qualified people mm. but um but as long as we weren't operating as a ski school, giving lessons even to family members. Yes. So there you are. That's fine. That's, then you jump through quite right. You jump through various hoops and follow that route. Yeah. But that's not what we do. So thank you very much. And here we are. And that's we've been made very welcome there. And I'm very, very sorry, because I've got to say, that is still a cool place. Yeah. And uh, Le- I'm very fond of Les Ocean. I left lots of friends there. And it seems a bit... I mean, if those who like it quiet, they should be very relieved we're gone. But I think a lot of little businesses, really, it really hurt them. That we, that we took all our trade elsewhere we have, we've got some very popular races um, the schools race in March you get you know 350 well actually we had nearly 500 races were coming with all the mums and dads yeah, yeah. we three three concurrent competitions it was a great setup and it it meant that the resort for sort of four five days in January and four or five days in March in low season mm. went back to being high season prices and were full yeah and that's gone now that's moved and it's just nuts that we weren't doing anyone any harm. You could understand if they thought that we were, um, if, if we were running drugs or something. We were being treated like criminals, mm. and it was just silly. Uh, it was
0: what it was. Right. Uh, I mean, so Simon's experience is similar, I think, but uh, he's, but but slightly sort of technically different. I I was always <laughs> under the impression that race race clubs and race camps, coaches, whatever, were always more or less left alone. Um, yeah, well, you know, we seem to
1: have gotten into crosshairs and I don't know, I, I, I'm still a bit bemused about the whole thing. We were denounced, apparently, that we were uh, giving lessons and they pursued us on that. And the that, um, the, the, the chief of police there at uh, the PGHM in Chamonix said, well, why don't you just employ French instructors and all these problems will go away? Yeah, okay. said, well, you're not listening, are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they get this. I don't know if you heard this, Dave, but for three days, this is a couple, this is what, four or five years ago now, mm. uh, four years ago, we were... Um, I, I was on the run because he wanted me to come in. I refused right. <laughs> to, to answer a spurious uh, summons, and I uh, I, I held up in uh, in team with where the nationals were taking place, the seniors, and the following week was the children's nationals in team mm. British nationals, and for three days they sent. Two van loads of gendarmes, or maybe three—I don't know—they'd they sent sent the PJHM over from Charny to teen to hunt me down.
2: <laughs> and I got—I'm
1: I'm on a knoll, videoing right on the on the Super G hill. Yeah. And the radio, someone says, Malcolm, they're cops. There. They're showing pictures of you. They're trying to find you. They're asking where you are. I said, Well, don't tell them. Tell them over that way. <laughs> Next day, Malcolm, they're back. Malcolm, they've got guns. And they've yeah. got skis. They're putting the skis on. So, I thought, oh, geez. So I just, so yeah, I made a, a rapid escape, cross piece, but um, then I thought they'd gone. And I'm having a burger with a buddy at the Aspen Bar, and know anyone knows that area. Right. And uh, my buddy says, no, "Look, Gendarmes, There's these two big guys standing about three meters away, looking the other way. Oh my god! <laughs> Scuttle around behind a burger van, chuck the guy in my uh, my van keys, and I <laughs> I just w- work my way through the arcade, then up up the flight to... and got back to the apartment got my passport got my wallet okay how am I going to get out I'm seeing helicopters and thinking oh my god how much (laughs) money are they going to spend is there a roadblock well I just got out of there I did not want to have what Simon did and been bunged up in a in a prison cell and uh yeah these are
0: the these are the stories that people tune into this key podcast for this is the 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 classic
1: well I don't know if anyone else I suppose if you've never been jailed, you've not really lived I eventually went in as agreed I went in my lawyer hadn't turned up drunken idiot, idiot. Yeah. <laughs> but I had another lawyer advising me, you know, a parent in Paris, and he said, Malcolm, you can't not go in, because I'm having a very nice coffee and a croissant, mm-hmm. and she centre. sent okay. So the appointment's at nine. I go in at five to nine, nine o'clock, I'm under arrest. I'm no. fingerprinted, cuffed, uh, you know, mug shots a lot. You didn't catch me, though, did you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. And it was all a load of nonsense. But, um, but yeah. So, um, yeah what comes are, of that. That was, It's social That exciting. was a strange tale
0: yeah but it, what comes of that it's so short-sighted right because you've moved the whole thing the whole
1: thing oh you know, no not, not short-sighted at all the people who were gaining advantage of it they were scoring yeah. these hollow victories they kicked out the ski club of great britain right yeah what harm yeah. were they doing yeah. i mean you could make a case either way you say well why didn't you comply you couldn't our position what we were doing we couldn't comply what we could have done would have would have been effectively payola okay so we're just gonna buy your um your licenses Buy your French licenses at five, ten thousand, whatever it is, X mm. number of people. How much money do you actually need to make you go away and leave us alone? Yeah. Um, that's, I'm not going to go down that mafia route. No, no. So au revoir, Good luck. And I've got lots of friends over in France, and I'm really sorry because it's a beautiful country, but we had a horrid time at their hands. And I hope that that Simon gets compensation and then steers me towards getting some of that too.
0: <laughs> well, that, 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 that's true. That actually, it does remind me I need to follow that up with Simon because he did say come back to us and let us know how it went. So uh, I'll double 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 check with him on that. But uh, that, that's awesome. Look, Malcolm, I think I've taken up enough of your time. What I well, always play, do at yeah. the end of this yeah. is, um, is I, I give everyone a chance to plug what they're doing. So where can people find you if they want to find you?
1: Well, we're a secret organisation, and we'll find you first. No, no seriously, I've got to say that that you must. Uh, I, I, imagine you've got lots of listeners out there with talented little little skiers, and if they want to step up and have a go of the sport, then um, direct them towards uk. just google british ski academy there you go okay and you'll get through to us
0: i'll put that in the notes uh to the podcast so that everyone can can click straight yeah. to it
1: and best of luck to everyone out there and and if, you know wherever you are you know you all you skiers hang fire you'll be back
0: yeah hopefully this is all just going to blow over and it's not as serious as everyone says yeah. it is so uh, yeah we'll be back on snow soon enough you know it's not long to the start of the glacier season so we'll be uh, it'll be all good
1: my, Thanks. Yeah. Lo- lo- enjoyed chatting to you. Good luck to you.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you, Malcolm. See you soon.